Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. I am your host, Matt Phelan. I have a made up job title, which is Head of Global Happiness, um, which some people think that I means I take myself seriously, but the actual uh, opposite is true. Um, Co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index and host of um, The Happiness and Humans community. And I am here with the amazing Bill Kahn, and you can't see it, but he's got the most brilliant pink uh, jumper on. Um, hello, Bill, how are you? Good, how are you? And it's red, and it's actually, it says San Francisco 49ers on it, which is a football team that's not very good, but it's the warmest sweatshirt I have, and it's about 14 degrees here. <laughs> wow, Where, whereabouts in the world are you, Bill? I am outside Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, in the year 2021, and it is winter. Brilliant. And um, Bill, um, could you introduce yourself, please? Uh, I identify myself as an organizational psychologist. I'm actually a professor of management and organizations. I'm the token clinical psychologist in a business school at Boston University, where I've been teaching for about 30 years. Uh, and I write and I teach and I consult and I think a lot about um, about people and their relationships. Brilliant, Bill. And the first question, Bill doesn't know any of the questions going to ask him because we decided to just rift. Is that, is that what you do in music? Rift? That, is, that, that is what we do. So we're just going to rift. Um, but I do have the same first question for everyone, which I think is fundamentally the most important question, um, which is, what makes you happy, Bill? It's a great question. I would say that what makes me the happiest, and when I think of happy, I think what makes me feel the most present and genuine in a moment is when I am with another human being and we're talking about things that people never talk about, whether it's about one's relationships or work or family of origin, and we get to a level of truth and genuine connection that I find astonishing and rare, and I always find myself emotionally moved by it. That's when I feel. Uh, that's when I feel most connected and grounded in the world. You could call that happiness. You can call it whatever you want. I just really like the experience. I love that. So connecting with people is important for you, Bill. Is that right? Which is that it fair? Is, it is, even though I am deeply introverted, and I love reading and writing as well there are moments of of connection and intimacy that always and particularly when they come out of the blue that always just stun me brilliant and and, and how many people confuse you with the actor jeff goldblum uh uh none that have actually said that to my face you are actually <laughs> the first and i do believe this conversation is now over <laughs> the um it, uh, I mean it is a huge compliment because he is one of my favorite actors of all time but I, I feel like I'm in the presence of like um, acting royalty um, and, and now everyone's listening is going to go and google image you to see to see whether I'm right or wrong and right, um, um, Bill I want to get into um, something um, and I came I came across you because I listened to you on a podcast where it was explained that 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 you were the person that um, coined employee engagement. Um, is that is is that right? Is that is that is that correct? Is that have I misheard that? You well, you have you have heard that partially correctly. Um, 
my doctoral dissertation thousands of years ago was when I developed an idea called personal engagement. And what I meant by that is, is um, what does it mean for someone in a work role to be as fully alive and present and as authentic as possible? And I call that personal engagement. And I developed theory around sort of what enables people to be very personally engaged or or the opposite, disengaged in their work roles and their and their work performances. Since that happened, years passed, it happily went unnoticed, except by other scholars. Uh, and then it and then it blew up and it was transformed into something called employee engagement, which I experienced as something fundamentally and violently different. I'll, I'll... And let's get into why do you use really emotive language there? Um, violently different. What do, can you explain that to us, Bill? Yes. So, and the words mean a lot. I mean, we're, all words mean a lot. The words mean a lot. Personal engagement is really the focus on the person. Um, uh, and what does it mean for that person to be as, as authentic and genuine in the moment as possible? What I mean by that is, can they say what they really think and feel? and move toward difficult moments, aware that they're not gonna be punished for it. That's really about the notion of the self expanding into a space and being revealed uh, and, and, um, and connected to whatever's happening around them. That's, that's, that was my focus, right? Employee engagement is very different, even though it's, it, it seems from the, to the outsider the same. Employee engagement is, has been co-opted by organizations and consulting firms to focus on how do we get the most out of our employees? How do we get them as engaged as possible in the work that we want them to do? It is a it is a seductive, luxurious spin on Karl Marx about sort of how do we get people working as hard as possible on behalf yeah. of capitalist owners, right? And so and so that's what I mean by this now. They'll use some of the same words or they'll explore it in some of the same ways, which is, you know, how do we get people to feel like the work is meaningful, et cetera. But the fundamental purpose of the engagement is very different from what I from what I um, conceptualize. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense, Bill. And it, and it was why I contacted you, because we obviously use use different terms, but when I came, I'm not from a HR background, even though that's a space I work in. When I found employee engagement, I was just confused. I couldn't, I just couldn't get my brain and my heart to connect on it. Um, the the because I'm just a data guy, so the more I looked at the research, I just couldn't understand it. And what I where I am now, which sort of leads, and and it's why we accidentally talk about employee happiness because we were trying to balance out at first when i first looked at this from a data perspective i thought that right this is going to be all about employee happiness and all about the individual and the and the self and so on and um, but the more i looked at the data i realized in in our world it's more about get, getting it into balance so if the company just overrides too much one way you get an imbalance but then also you can have a an imbalance the other way so what I wanted to ask you, Bill, is, and, and I asked you this question last time, but the um, the blooming uh, Wi-Fi broke on both our ends. Because you've become associated with employee engagement and know that you think of something different, is this like, you know, like when someone makes a film 
um, and then they're always associated with that film forever, and they just don't want to be associated with it. Um, <laughs> is that what it's like for you? Is it is it like, oh my gosh, this was not what I intended, and this whole world has been created, and I didn't mean to do all this, or or do you feel like it's the universe that keeps pulling you back in when you hear from this guy Matt Phelan, and he's like, can we come on the podcast? And then you've only met him once, and he says you look like Jeff Jeff Goldblum, and he's already offended you. Like, is it like, is it pulling you all back in, or do you do you resent it? How do you feel about being so connected to it? So let me see if I can answer that. Um, I am a firm believer that we all have our work to do, and my work happens to be a focus on what does it mean to be fully alive in whatever setting we're in, whatever that means. And and I'm not someone who, and this may surprise you based on what I just said a few minutes ago, I'm not someone who believes that organizations are bad or evil or corrupt, right? I actually believe that people can, can find themselves, not just lose themselves in a work role, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not simply about them being exploited. They, they, they can discover parts of themselves they never knew existed and, and learn from that and grow from that, right? I, in some ways I think of that that organizations are like, you know, the metaphor I use sometimes is, is you, is um, we audition for roles, we're cast into roles, we're on the stage. And even though we didn't write the lines necessarily, the playwright did, we can learn something about ourselves and sort of, and, and find parts of ourselves that come fully alive in those stage performances. So organizations are not bad things. And the fact that we have roles is really important for both us and for the organizations. That said, I do believe that, and I'll get back to what I said a few minutes ago, we each have our work to do in the world, and that happens to be my work. What the yeah. world then does with it has very little to do with me, meaning there was this concept floating around personal engagement. Somebody saw and said, oh, I can use that, and then they yeah. used it, and they sort of, in my mind, they misused it, but still they used it. They took some parts of it. I have zero control over that, nor yeah. should I. I'm going to keep doing my work in the world. You're going to do your work in the world. They're going to do their work in the world. We can't yeah. control that. So I don't. Ha I actually don't have a lot. So based on that premise, I actually don't have a lot of emotion around sort of feeling sort of violated in any way. I just don't. Yeah. Does, did, did that answer your question? It it it, it definitely does. And um, do you think I'm I'm asking you to look quite into the future though, Bill? So you start. You start talking about this thing, and as you say, it got taken and interpreted. I think you said misused or whatever. Um, do you see yourself in the future coming more force, more full circle, and coming back and doing some more stuff in this area, or is it? Are you sort of got your other things that you're that you're super interested in? I would say that I don't see myself doing much writing about personal engagement, employee engagement. I don't see myself doing much writing. I certainly don't see myself doing any basic research around it. I'm yeah. As I, the older I get, the more fascinated I am by other kinds of ideas and projects and collaborations. You know, I, um, I, uh, how do I say this? I, I'm still working on some of the same impulses that drew me to that work. Uh, yeah. And some of those impulses are around sort of this notion of what does it mean to create spaces where people can emerge? Um, and now I do that sometimes in the context of race or gender or how we are, how people become marginalized. And I care a lot about that. Yeah. So I'm still working on the same impulses um, about sort of 
uh, the relation between context and individual and how the, the dance and interplay between the two, I don't really see myself contributing in any significant way to personal engagement uh, per se. So the, re the reason I asked is because I've got 15, 20 minutes of your time. And, and if you're, you're more on that, I've got some more detailed questions that whilst we've still got you here that I want to get into then. So, so we can learn then. So people that are working in employee engagement, employee happiness, building platforms out. If we take it back to that bit where you say it got misused, what can we learn from that? What, what, what do you mean by that, Bill? I think it goes back to what I said before, um, Matt. It was this notion of when we when we take the words employee and engagement, we have to look at some in some ways that I think that of that is an oxymoron. That is, if you really care about engagement, you'd focus less on the word and the process of employee of employee. If you care a lot about how to make a really good employee, then engagement just seems to be a way to hook people into that, right? And so for me, yeah. for me, my only sort of, let me step back. I understand that employee engagement became a huge industry because it became measurable. And then yeah. people got hooked into that as the industry because once you can measure it, you can create results. The survey results then get tied to people's jobs and their paychecks, right? Once that happened, it, it came, it sort of created a life force of its own. I think the reason people focused on that is because the stuff I'm talking about is not easily measurable. It's really yeah. hard to reduce it to a survey and quantify it and you spit out a printout with the quote unquote results. The stuff I'm yeah. talking about is deeply embedded in the relationships between really good managers and leaders and people who work with them right that's where the heart of it lies right in organizations that's where the words employee and engagement can get worked with in a really genuine authentic way such that it's not an oxymoron so yeah. all that's to say is if personal engagement is going to really if the person is going to be valued someone's going to have to develop a measure and a way to quantify that in a way that sort of fights fire with fire to really bring yeah. bring the focus on the person or or on the relationship between the person and 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 uh, and their leaders. Yeah, and you, you mentioned relationship there between people and leaders. I'm going to just put you into a scenario, Bill, if that's okay. Please. Um, so we can get really practical. So let's say, let well, let's take a, a global company, 10,000 10, staff around the world. Um, but they're struggling, they're struggling to keep people and it's, it's hurting the business. Um, in a global, bigger business, can a CEO create a relationship with those people? When you say those people, you mean the people who are remaining? Everyone, everyone, everyone. If, if, if you're a CEO and you're, you're leading a big business um, globally, you put lots of people we're all working virtual now um we're in different diff different worlds we're not seeing each other is it possible to do that thing that you're talking about in a bigger business which is connect uh the leader and the people in a relationship is that or are we just setting unrealistic expectations uh i uh for me what's realistic and doable is the leader i'll say she the leader in this in this case who leads a large organization, what she can do is she can do a couple things. One is she can set an expectation 
and be clear about that expectation and and positively reinforce people who meet that expectation and get rid of people who don't meet that expectation of what it means for people to treat one another as human beings in the context of work. However she yeah. defines that, she'll have to lay that out. That's number one. Number two is you hire people who will who will help who will who will do that as well, right? Um, number three, she has to model that in her relationships with everyone around her, particularly her leaders. And then she has to create really effective leader follow relationship with her direct reports and then help create an environment in which what they're doing with that with their direct reports. So it has to be a full cascade, the whole cascade yeah. effect of what it means to create genuine relationships between leaders and followers. The leaders yeah. cannot be expected to do that herself with every person in the organization. Absolutely not. Right. But what she can do is is set the expectation Re reward and reinforce based on that expectation, hire to that expectation, and model that expectation. Yeah, that's so so useful, Bill. And I put you in a scenario there where you where we've put you in in the in this the CEO role, but I want to take you you back because when I'm listening, I just all I'm hearing someone who's really been involved in this whole piece around leadership and business and you've you've done research and, you, and you're really well read on it but i want to go back to uh, let's take 18 year old bill uh, another 18 year old bill who's just coming into the into the workforce now um and they want to start building relationships with people but they're only they're only just starting out and uh, but they're in a in a virtual world now because i worry about people that are joining the workforce now that may not be able to get that like oh because they, they bumped into someone and have a little chat about how a job might be done and so on and that that natural passing on of information and mentoring and stuff have you got any any thoughts on what you would recommend someone um, entering the workforce in a virtual world um and how they could build relationships bill so for me and 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 i actually do, i mean given the power of zoom and whatever Google platform, whatever Google Meet, all that stuff, given that power of that stuff, I actually don't make a huge distinction between virtual and 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 non-virtual, whatever they call that real life. Um, uh, and but for me the advice is the same. If I'm 18, 20 years old, I'm in my first couple of first job or so, what I want to do is I want to look around. Every meeting I'm in, every sort of group or team I'm in, I want to identify someone who strikes me as someone who's admirable, whatever that means, however you define it. And then I would reach yeah. out privately to that person and say, I really would love a conversation with you because I'm finding that when you do X, Y, and Z, I'm very sort of moved by it or, or I admire it. I want to learn. I want to learn more about that, how you do that, how you think that, how you get to that place. So put yourself in a real learning mode, find models, ever reach out to them. People are always flattered around that stuff and really put yeah. yourself in a place where you want to learn how did they do that? What, what enabled them to do that, whatever that is. I think that's yeah. a great step for anyone, both young and frankly old. Yeah, and and have you done that in your career, Bill? I have. Yeah, I have absolutely. Um, Bill, we're going into the sort of last five minutes. I'm so conscious of your time. Um, in terms of research in this area, what do you think is the exciting stuff that 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 people are looking to looking into at the moment? So that's a question I truly can't answer only because I really don't read much literature anymore around employee engagement. I just don't. 
I don't find it. I just don't find it that interesting. Uh, I find it recycles a lot of the same ideas and principles around what it means to create create settings in which people can thrive and flourish. I'm just not finding that much new that's interesting. So I'm going to have to defer. Yeah. Reflect I think that. I think I asked the question badly. Um, what research around human beings um, that's going on at the moment or in the future do you think is exciting? I would say you're in you're in the UK, but here in the US, they are having some incredibly interesting reckonings that have been long overdue around race and caste uh, and gender and and the, and the marginalization and diminishment of certain groups of populations. I actually find that interesting, not just on a macro societal level, but people are doing some really interesting writing about how that plays out in organizations in inter interpersonal relationships, in groups and teams. I actually find that as a very powerful sort of society, sort of a way of looking at the society's relationship to enabling human beings to flourish. Uh, because I think the older I get, and this was not in my original work, the older I get, the more aware I am of, 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 um, of systems of power, domination, subordination, um authority and i'm actually finding that incredibly interesting yeah no that's it's such yeah it's certainly been since the the murder of george floyd i think especially in the uk how introspective that has forced people to be including including my own business and look at look at what we've done mistakes we've made and and, and looked at things differently so it's, it's definitely been in many ways the last 12 months have been a huge awakening for a lot of people right and um, bill last last question um we, we touched on it at the beginning um but what what is the what is if uh, what does it we know what the future doesn't hold for you because <laughs> you've outlined that to us but what's what's, what's the future hold for bill khan uh i'm gonna i'm gonna keep sort of moving ahead on on I mean, at the at, at the heart, I'm a writer, and a, and I I'm a writer who likes to think, um, and a thinker who likes to write, and I love to teach, um, and I'm going to keep doing work like that. I you know I continue to keep working on 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 some basic themes. Uh, one thing I work on is helping people move away from from um, narratives of victimization, and I'm always sort of working on that. Uh, I'll be writing about um, places and spaces that allow marginalized communities to, to have a sense of dignity and worth. So I do some research and writing about that. Uh, I'm going to keep sort of, you know, landing on projects that make me consider myself in the world in a deeper way. Brilliant. I think that your future is great advice for everyone, Bill, to think about what, what, what they're doing and what their future holds. So all I want to do is finish up by saying, on behalf of myself um, and my listeners, thank you so much for sharing this this time with us, Bill. It is my pleasure, and Matt, you are a pleasure to speak with. Thank you.